Okay, I'm going to apologize. I'm assuming that we had some problems in engineering back there. We got a couple of folks who were just coming on board. So I'm going to apologize. But uh, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. And um, we're going to get started here. I apologize to those of you out there who uh, have been listening to silence or perhaps maybe to me questioning what the hell is going on. But uh, it happens all the time. If you play ball... That was a turnover just now. That's all. Somebody fumbled, got to go on the field, got to play, got to keep going. So um, what matters to me? I'm going to tell you what matters to me. What matters to me is to not, and I don't usually promote things on television other than the football game or the basketball game or the baseball, the World Series. Very few baseball games tend to matter much. You know, it's, 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 hey, it's the World Series, you know, that's what matters, but let me just say that what matters to me is tonight, tonight, you're going to be able to catch it on, on the NFL Network. For those of you who have it, for those of you who don't, I apologize. I don't know what's going on. Or, you know, Perhaps maybe your cable provider will one day get caught up. But I'm going to say this. Tonight, man, they talk about the stuff of legends. This man is the only legend when it comes to it. And that is everything that we see as it relates to football. And the cinematography of it and, and just all the input and the creativity of it. That's Steve Sable. That's, that, that's all that is. That, that is Steve and Ed Sable. Shout out to Mr. Sable who is still alive and had to do something that parents should. Well, I'm sure parents pray they don't ever have to do. And he had to bury his son. But Mr. Sable, I believe, is here still in, in Arizona. And um, he's 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 he's. he's Enjoying life to the best of his ability, but certainly he and Steve did something that was so special as a kid growing up in Canton, Ohio, particularly on mm, as I was in high school and I'd get a chance to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame the night before we're about to play that, you know, in Ohio, we call it the school up north. And then in Canton, Ohio, we call it that, you know, that city to the west a little bit, if you will, Maslin. And we they would take us to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we would watch highlight films of the National Football League. And I've said this before, but this is something that needs to be said again. It were my days. It was those days that I would sit in, in, in those seats and watch those highlight films of, of guys in pro football. And a lot of it had to do with just the, the leading up to the game, the, the way he, he was able to capture Pre-game festivities and, and, and even just walking on the field. It, this man just was able to romanticize the game in such a way that it made you just start dreaming from that moment that you saw that on the screen. That if I could ever participate in that. You know, that's one thing about sports. It's one of the few things that, you know, you see movie stars and things of that nature. You see them on TV and you think, well, man, I can't be a movie star. But pro football, he the way he made it, the way he presented it on the screen, it just made you start dreaming about maybe one day I could do that. I could be on the screen and he could capture me. And I I was just so blessed to do that. And believe me, when he, I got to say this one time, and it wasn't even a play. This is what I'm saying about Steve Sable. It wasn't so much about the play. As it is all the other things that go around. And and one time he caught me on my knees. He caught me on my knees. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just, that's the kind of man I am. I was saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was a little premature. And the next few words I said, I said, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Boom, jumped up, ran to the dog pound. Forgot. The next week I had to meet a man by the name of John Elway. Man. But but Steve caught me on my knees and praying to God Almighty and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I was just born and raised an hour down the street. I was 10 years removed from high school and about to go that close. Well, I, I, I was very close to the game that would get you into the Super Bowl. I was 60 minutes from the Super Bowl. And it didn't happen. But the, that man that man caught what was in my heart, and that's what he did to everybody 
he just he was able to go inside of your heart and your mind and 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 and, and trigger a piece of your imagination that didn't know existed and take you to places that was beyond fairy tales and make you believe that you could fly. R. Kelly got that from Steve Sable. Steve never said it, but Steve was able to bring it to the screen that make you could do the impossible. And he would do it in such a way that he almost turned a button on inside of you that says, okay, start that action towards that goal, towards that fantasy, and don't stop until you reach it. And so... Tonight, I'm, I'm going to DVR, I'm, whatever you do, I'm going to make sure that I capture this, record it, and have it for the rest of my life if the equipment works like that. But tonight, everybody, tune into a Football Live Steve Sable, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, p.m., of course. A Football Live Steve Sable. I guarantee it'll probably bring you to tears. If you love football the way I do, don't be surprised if you, you know, drop a tear or two. But it certainly will inspire you. I guarantee you, you will be inspired. So anyway, that's what matters to me. It matters to me that tonight, everybody tune in and watch it on the NFL Network. Steve Sable, A Football Life. Okay? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm supposed to have a few friends joining me on the show. And I, if engineering could just let me know if I have some people who have joined me on the line, I'm expecting, I've got some friends that are going to be joining me. And uh, really looking forward to, to talking to to Renee and, and, and George, so I, um, you know, I uh, look forward to that. But there was some football that was played. There was some football that was played, and there's some football that's going to be played this weekend. Uh, let me talk a little bit about college first. The Ohio State University. Now, uh, shout out to Damian Anderson, Darnell Autry. You know, Darnell, <laughs> come on, man, Darnell on the front of Sports Illustrated. You know, broke Damian Anderson's records. Damian now working for the Arizona Cardinals. They both former pro football players, running backs. At Northwestern University, I gotta say this: we almost we had an undefeated season at the Ohio State University when I was there, and we, the, the team that gave us the most trouble, Northwestern University. It was a rainy day, only rainy game I remember playing in during my days at Ohio State. But it was Woody Hayes had just lost his job. It was the first year of Earl Bruce went undefeated that year, but Northwestern gave us the game of our life. It was raining. And there are certain things that are neutralizers, and the weather can be one of those. Even though you're on AstroTurf, the weather can be one of those. And I'm, I'm just not feeling rain and football. George? Just don't go together. If, you can, if a baseball game could be rained out, why not a football game? Why can't baseball? I never understood that. Why is a football can play in the rain, but baseball can't play in the rain? Really? The fans won't sit out and watch? They sit out and watch George? us? Can you hear me? I'm going to press the issue a little bit. Somebody answer that question for me. You can call in 888-346-9144. But certainly I'm I'm looking forward to uh, watching the Ohio State University. He's going to play Northwestern. It's going to be a meaningful football game. Now, I'm not insulting Northwestern University. Very good football team. I'm impressed with the staff. And how they've turned that program around. They're, they are contenders, not pretenders. They are contenders now. You have to be very much concerned about Northwestern University. They actually, perhaps, maybe, who knows, could find themselves in a position, the Rose Bowl again? No. Well, perhaps, no. No, I'm not going to say that. I can't, I just can't say that. But I, I will tell you what, uh, the Ohio State University, uh, will be playing the Northwestern Wildcats. It's a game you should tune into. Don't miss it. You can't miss that. And, of course, we got some other uh, big games coming up in, in college football, but we've certainly got some games coming up in professional football. We had some bad, We had some games this past weekend, too. And, and, and some games we had that, of course, that, uh, well, we expected. I'm sure I did. I, I, a lot of people expected San Francisco 49ers going to come back and look like the San Francisco 49ers that we knew them to be. I don't know who that team was a couple of weeks ago that showed up. You know, uh, th- that just was not the 49ers. And, and, and how, about, how about the Buffalo Bills? Now, is Flacco going to throw five interceptions again? You know, and listen, was he a, 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 a one-year wonder? No, the man had been a playoff all those years. So he's not a one-year wonder. He just had a bad, very, very bad game. 
Five interceptions is not, we won't tolerate that. We, that no. So I'm sure he's going to go back. And the man just got a paycheck. That's, you know, too many zeros for me to count. He won the Super Bowl. So he got paid for what he did in the past. He took him to the bank. They wanted to negotiate with him. He didn't, they didn't want to. Okay, so. So we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what. Um, I think, definitely think that you know Flacco bounced back off of that one. But 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 last week, um, we'll have to see. We got music. We got to take a break. You listen to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Steve Sable, NFL Network tonight. Be sure to check him out. We'll be right back. Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail the Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I do apologize earlier, but I believe we had some serious difficulties. Uh, a couple you know, young people that are uh, training in the, in the back there in the engineering department, um, and they told me to send out their apologies, so I will. But uh, uh, I certainly wanted to have more time to have my friends join me. But I got a chance to talk about the things that matter to me in life. It's not all about me, even though the name of the show is Rail of Sports. It's not all about me. Uh, I enjoy having this platform to share with others. Uh, after all, this is a global platform. This is World Talk Radio, the Voice America Network on World Talk Radio. So if there's something of importance that you, uh, that you would like to get out, that you'd like for the world to know, what better place to come than Voice America, particularly here on Voice America Sports? So I have a couple of good friends that I'm going to give them a chance to do some of that. There, there are some things that, wow, that, that are important to me in life that because they do resonate with me. Uh, I've had, you know, some connection to the issue of, of, of the topic for today. And, and so, um, you know, it was important to me. And, and that's why. Uh, when I got a chance to talk to Renee Show, and Renee told me that uh, she works uh, closely uh, with George Visker, I wanted to be sure because I've actually seen a piece uh, on George. Uh, some of you might remember. If you don't, I'm going to make sure George reminds you. Uh, George, of course, was a former uh, San Francisco 49er uh, who, like many of us, experienced uh, uh, multiple, multiple, multiple blows of, uh, you know, t- blows to his head, um, 
and I'm sure it was a compilation of those blows to his head that certainly, um, you know, left him in the condition that he still battles with today. And, and, and some people, you have to understand that sometimes it could be one hit. <laughs> sometimes it could be multiple hits. And, and, and the results of that, you know, they vary. Uh, sometimes people can function. Sometimes they can't function. They can't function. Sometimes it's, you know, it's periodic. You know, they may have good days and bad days. Uh, but certainly it's real. And uh, George actually has a, a company. He started, I think it's, it's the Visker Group, if I'm pronouncing it uh, correctly. But I want to welcome George to the show. And Renee is with him as well. George, you there? I'm here. Thank you. Hey, Renee, are you there? I am. Thank you. Okay, great. Well, first, uh, ladies first, I just want to say, Renee, thank you so much. Uh, you and I have spoke a couple different times. Uh, of course, uh, we have a, um, a good friend that we've spoke about in the past, uh, Darren Gray, uh, whose book is, of course, The Jersey Effect, and, and we spoke about him. But I was really excited, Renee, when you called me and, and shared some information with me about um, – about George and, and the ability to have him here with me here on the show. So um, uh, if you could, Renee, a little bit about what you're doing uh, at Integrated Play, uh, which is uh, in part of uh, the reason that you and I had our conversation, because you're, you're helping players out there um, uh, in their transition. And, um, you know, and, and again, not just players that are coming out of the game, players like myself, and, 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 of course, uh, George, you've been out the game for some time, but you're working in that space of player transition. Am I correct? That's correct. Because uh, when players play, they only play, what, three years, four max? And they basically just have short-term work assignments, which is what the regular industry has. It's just short-term work assignments. And then they, re- they don't retire. They go on to their next job. But a lot of people think that players retire, and that's, they're done with the rest of their life at 23, 24. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting, and, 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 and that's what the norm, the average is about four years, and, and, and you're right. It's just one of many jobs, and, and I think that people sometimes forget that, that athletes are just working a job like people every day do, but this is their current place of employment. It's not going to be long-term. That's why I don't like to use the career when you talk about athletes, because Athletics is not a career unless you're coaching or, 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 or teaching or instructing, but certainly not as an active player. That's not a career. That is a, a short-term job, you know, four years, maybe one year, maybe 10 years, 12 years. If you're lucky, 17, 18, that's just uh, miracles. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, some people that does happen for. And so when you, when you work with them in terms of transition, what type of opportunities are you looking for or have you identified for these players? Well, it's an all-a-cart experience for the uh, former player because it's individual attention to what they need. Do they need to work on their social media and building their brand? In George's case, does he need help building a foundation? Is it finding them a job in a new career field because their previous career as a a player is over, so I want to encourage them to find out what else do they want to do, like doing internships during the off season. Or I've got a player that never even thought about doing radio broadcasting in the blog talk area and said, hey, I think I might want to try it. Other players, I encourage them to go back to school because they have those benefits, um, either with the university or with the NFL. So some of the players need a lot of encouragement and a lot of assistance, and some just need, here's, here's your updated resume, here's how you do LinkedIn, and they move on. And then you've got some that are just the absolute micromanager, just like any other business. You have different individuals, just like in the locker room. Well, you know, that, that makes uh, um, uh, a good way for me to segue right into George, because obviously, you know, George is unique in the sense that, uh, you know, this is a man who is, you know, his post career, if you will, is one that he's been out there fighting and advocating for for other players and other colleagues. So, uh, George, why don't you tell us a little bit? I, I know, of course, you attended the University of Colorado. Um, of course, you played for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm jealous you got one of those Super Bowl rings. I, I've seen quite a few of them. I've never had one. Thank you, Mr. Elway. I like to thank him whenever I can. Um <laughs> 
But, uh, George, why don't you just walk? You, you have such an interesting life. Why don't you just, you know, walk us through, hey, going through University of you know, Colorado, you know, coming into the league, and, and then kind of go from there of how things just took a turn. Uh, obviously, I mean, I'm sure you understand it's, it's no disrespect, but for the worst when it happened in terms of the injury, but leaving the University of Colorado, coming into the National Football League, playing for the San Francisco 49ers, and let's go from there. Yeah, so like, like you mentioned, I attended uh, Colorado in 76. Um, I majored in biology. I was a three-year starter at defensive tackle, and I was on the um, freshman year. We won the Big 8. We played uh, Ohio State in the uh, Orange Bowl. Uh, 1980, I was a six-round pick uh, by the New York Jets, cut at the end of preseason, and then picked up by the 49ers uh, early in the 80 season. Right before the first Dallas game, I basically the first play I went in in the first quarter, uh, I was ear hold on a Dallas tight end trap, suffered a major concussion. Um, later in the week, when my memory returned, uh, the doctors and, and trainers laughingly told me I went through over 20 smelling salts during the game to keep me on the field. And as you well know, at least back when I was playing, it was, it was a joke. You know, when you got your quote unquote your bell rung. Then um, played the rest of the season. Early in the following 81 Super Bowl season, actually I had, I had uh, damaged a knee in, in, in mini camp in the off season. Then I went back to camp 81 season, blew my knee out again, had knee surgery, and was just coming back off of that when I um, started developing my symptoms, having projectile vomiting every night, every night, pounding headaches. I'd have a ball of light in front of each eye. My hearing would come and go at the beat of my heart. Um, these are all signs of intracranial pressure, as I found out later on. But um, uh, the team doctors diagnosed me with high blood pressure. Yeah, they had me on high blood pressure pills for two and a half weeks while my brain was hemorrhaging. And the last night, I, had, I on top of my usual symptoms, I had focal point paralysis. My right arm curled up across my chest. Basically, I'd lost my hearing and my eyesight. The next morning, I went in and saw the uh, team doctors in the locker room, diagnosed me with a brain hemorrhage, and, uh, and, and directed me to, to go home, lay down, and drive down to Stanford that afternoon to go see a doctor. So I, wow. I figured it was one of those mild brain hemorrhages, you know. Wow. So I, I, went, I drove down to Stanford that afternoon and uh, saw a neurologist. They did a CAT scan on me, a brain scan, and then rushed me in and did emergency, what they call VP shunt brain surgery. Hey, George, can I stop you for a second there? Because you said they rushed you into emergency and, and you had surgery. But at the same time, a team doctor had you get into a car and drive from San Francisco to the University of Stanford. Exactly. Okay. All right. This was after two and a half weeks of me complaining about these symptoms. Uh, and the team doctors were blowing me off, telling me that it was high blood pressure. Wow. Now, I was a 22-year-old, you know, athlete in the prime of my life, not, not a guy you would expect to have high blood pressure to begin with. And um, so, what, like I said, when I finally had the paralysis, the, what they call focal point paralysis of my right arm, and then the doctor finally, they look in my eye and in the locker room, and he tells me that my brain's hemorrhaging, he goes over to the phone makes a couple calls, he scribbles the guy's name down, he tells me, go home, lay down, and drive down to Stanford this afternoon and go see this neurologist. Wow. So again, and you understand the mindset that we have when you play at that level, um, for any, any level for that matter, is that, hey, he says I'm good to go, I'm good to go. Right. So, you know, I, I drove down there, they took one look at me, uh, wanted to do a CAT scan, a brain scan, and then um, they did a scan and rushed me in and did emergency brain surgery. And what they did was they installed what they call a VP shunt. They basically drilled a hole in my skull. All this is permanent. There's a tube, a perforated tube that goes to the very middle of my brain, and the tip of the tube ends right in, in my ventricles. Um, inside your brain, you have ventricles, like ventricles in your heart, but they're small, small cavities, and this spinal fluid flows through them. So this tube goes right to the middle of my brain, comes out uh, uh, on top of my skull. It goes under my skin to the back of my head. Oh, installed a pressure valve behind my right ear, and from there they ran a tube down into my uh, down my neck, through my chest, and down in my abdomen. 
and it drains spinal fluid out of my brain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Is that is that a condition uh, that you're still in to this day? Yes, I, I, I develop what's called hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. And adult onset is fairly rare. Um, they think, well, mine was caused by concussions I had, including probably the, the last major one I had against the Cowboys. Um, so I have, I have water on the brain. What happens is your body produces about a pint of spinal fluid a day. In a normal person, it'll flow through. You have four ventricles, and if you were to take a, a CAT scan of the top of your brain looking down, your ventricles look like an X right in the middle of your brain, and they're about the diameter of a, of a pencil. Wow. Right where they cross, there's a little teeny tiny tube called the aqueduct of Sylvia. So in a normal brain, you produce about a pint of spinal fluid in the back two ventricles. It flows through the aqueduct of Sylvia to the front two. It goes around your brain, down your spinal column, and you reabsorb it. Wow. Um, and you produce about a pint a day. So, Hey, hey George, I'm sorry. We got music. We're going to have to take a break. I'm going to come back because you said all this happened at 22 years old. Wow, when we look back, you were just a kid. You listen to Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. George Visker is with me today, and we're going to continue to talk about his experience and his concussions. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me today, of course, is tonight on. Uh, the NFL Network, I think that's 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 6 o'clock Pacific. You will be able to see a, a special on the man who made us all feel so special, and that is uh, Steve Sable. So be sure to tune in to that. Uh, what also matters to me is whenever there's a member of the fraternity who's available to share some inside information and educate us on the dangers of the sport and perhaps maybe to, to just some shed some light on us. And, and certainly we are getting an education, if you will, uh, today from uh, George Fisker and uh, George, it was one thing that you said before we went on break. Everything was extreme. And one thing, the dumb jock theory. Let's let's throw it out the door. There, obviously, we got a man who here was a, a biology major, but he speaks as if he's a doctor. He's he's got so much information from the doctors throughout this period that he was he was going through this traumatized. I, I'm, I'm going to say you must have been traumatized at 22 years old. And the doctors are telling you they're going to do emergency surgery on you. This is your brain they're talking about. 
Do you ever get a chance to call your parents to consult with your parents? Do your parents say stop? No. Do they get a chance to talk to the doctors? Do the does the team drive down or there, does a team doctor drive down? Who is with you throughout this process to help you make an, an uneducated decision? Because hell, you obviously didn't know a thing about that type of stuff back then. Is there anybody there by your side? You know what? You, you brought up a good point. I was in intensive care at Stanford for 14 days. After my brain surgery, not one single player or coach from the 49ers came to see me other than my two roommates, and they cut both of them the week I got out of the hospital. They were gone. Wow. They were the only, I, I take that back. John McVeigh or, or Bill Walsh sent in a secretary one night who I had no idea who this woman was. Wow. No one from the, from the organization came. I don't think they wanted anyone seen at the neurosurgery ward at Stanford. Because people would ask questions. Now, these obviously is, is during the days and times where Eddie DeBartolo was there. Am I correct? Absolutely. Uh, and this is the DeBartolo group, of which people speak very fondly of the DeBartolos. I'm again, I'm a Buckeye, so I'm very familiar with with Youngstown, Ohio, and and, and the legend that the, that the family has become through uh, the industry of which they worked in uh, did very well as developers, and and now I think uh, obviously the team. Uh, but that that is really interesting, and that that's some aspect of the game that people don't realize. You know, these again, we're talking human beings. We're talking very young men. Once we mature and we get to the point where, okay, we're on the other side of, you know, of forty, fifty, myself, you and I. Uh, you know, when you look back, you realize just. Uh, it was a very isolated time of your life. You're expected to be this gladiator, to be somebody stronger and bigger than life. But the reality is, some of these are some very frightening moments. Uh, let's talk about that, if you will. Uh, you're in intensive care. I mean, were you asking questions about, man, this, I've, I've never been, how serious is this? I mean, how deep did you go with your questions? How concerned were you with your well-being, your livelihood, period? I mean, you must have been pretty scared. Well, well, here's the thing, and I think those of us that played the sport, uh, especially at that level, will understand. My biggest concern, because this was a lifetime dream I had but from the time I was a little kid. I first started playing Pee Wee Pop Warner in seventh grade um, uh, for the West Austin Bear Cubs, and, and real quickly there were 29 kids on that team and three of us signed in. Shout out to the West Hopkins uh, Boys Club. Is that what you say? What are they called? What was that? Shout out. What's the name of your team you played for when you were a kid? I played for the West Stockton Bear Cubs. All right. Shout out to those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, the West Stockton Bear Cubs. Uh, and the first team they ever had, the 1970 team, um, there were three of us on that 29-man team. Three of us signed NFL contracts in 1980. And our safety was a kid by the name of Vaughn Hayes who went on to a major uh, multi-year all uh, Major League Baseball. I, I know Vaughn well. Vaughn doesn't know me, but of course uh, Vaughn was in, in in Philadelphia, and I was there playing for the Eagles, and he was playing for the Sixers, and uh, uh, not at the same time. But the two, t- this is how teams were back then. We shared the same shower facility. That's how <laughs> cheap the teams were back then. But go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so he was our safety on that little team. So. Uh, I started playing back then, and then I kind of lost my train. I thought, what was your question again? I'm no, it, it was just you had to be fearful at oh, that okay, time. Yeah. You had to be. Well, well, but yeah, I think you're going to say you just wanted to get back on the field. I bet you're going to say that. No, exactly, and that was my <laughs> biggest concern was can I still play again? And while I'm in the hospital, the trainers called me and said, hey, Visk, we're, we're, we're talking to some folks. We're looking to have a special made helmet to protect your shunt so you can keep playing. So I thought I was still playing. When I got out of intensive care for 14 days, uh, I, I grew up in Stockton, which was only a couple hours from San Francisco, and I went back to my folks' house for a few days to kind of get back on my feet. And I came back and I worked out the rest of the year, thinking I was still playing. Now, I was on injury reserve, so I wasn't practicing, but I was going to meetings, I was lifting, I, I was trying to get back in shape to play again. And as far as I knew, I was still playing. Unfortunately, four months after that Super Bowl, uh, my shunt failed, and, and in that first, that first nine months, um, from my first brain surgery till four months after the Super Bowl, I was arrested three different times. I've never been in trouble prior or since. And every time it would be, I'd, have a, I'd go out, have a couple of beers, and the next thing I know, I'm standing in jail eight, ten, twelve hours later with no memory how I got there. Wow. Hearing stories of me doing things totally out of character. I go back and see the team doctor, 
And uh, he says, it's not, and I go, and they send me back to Stanford. I see my first neurosurgeon. He says, this isn't from my surgery. I said, hey, doc, I said, these things have never happened before in my life. Hey, George, you mentioned something I, I want to, because it's relevant to today, and particularly uh, something that's going on because it's, it's still an open window as it relates to the settlement of the concussion lawsuit. You said that they were going to consider having you back, and they wanted to uh, work with you to, to get this special helmet. Did you ever get fitted, or did they ever devise that special helmet for you? No, because four months after the Super Bowl, when I went back and saw the team doctors and, then the, and the neurosurgeon, told him everything that was going wrong with me. They did a CAT scan on me. He said I looked fine, and I told him I was leaving for Mexico the next day to go fishing with my brother and his wife. He says, go ahead, leave the country. The first night down there, my shunt goes out. I go into a coma. My brother brings me home the next day in a coma. I have two more brain surgeries 10 hours apart. I'm given last rites, and I have absolutely no memory for the next year plus. And I just didn't even know that I was supposed to go back to camp. I was never cut. I was never released. They just, I would, they made me just disappear. So wow. I had no idea that, I mean, I forgot all about going back to camp that next year. Wow. So, and Ray, part of that is the human resource side of business. The human resource people either care or they don't. And you ask the question, did anybody come see him? I've had clients that have had their knees blown out and, no one, as George said, from the team has come to see him. They don't know if they're supposed to come back. And it's not even a head injury. It's a knee, and they don't know that they're supposed to come back, and no one has checked on them. Well, you know, that, that, that's, that's an interesting statement that you just made there because, you know, as I talked about, George was 22 years old. It was his second year, so maybe at the oldest he would be going on 23 years old. But when you're in the National Football League, particularly when you're a first person, uh, you know, first year into the league, you're like a fish out of water. There are a lot of things you don't know, but but also, like George and I both talked about being so excited about playing in National Football League, a childhood dream. You want to be seen and not heard. Very seldom do you ask questions. So, in terms of process and procedures, you're not familiar with them. So, I could very somebody might say, "Oh, well, who the hell wouldn't know you're supposed to?" You don't know that. You're you're in a very intimidating environment. The, the National Football League locker room is very intimidating for those people. That, as a matter of fact, you can even when press people are are in traveling to a locker room for the first time. They're not real comfortable with that. You you see the seasoned veterans. You know the guys that have been in there before, and the women that have been in there before. They know who they got friends they can go to, they can talk to, they know they can get interviews. But people walk in there like they're in unfamiliar territories, and they don't want to go beyond the boundaries of where they should travel. So, in terms of Renee, you talk about. HR, you know, human resource. Again, people forget that we're talking the National Football League here. This is a corporation. You know, there's people don't realize too is that it's open season after the final cut day. Every week, my rookie year, we made after the final cut day. You got the got the regular team. We made 26 roster changes after the final cut day. So every week, you know, you play on Sundays. Mondays were a light day. Tuesdays were our days off. And every Tuesday, they'd bring in a handful of guys and work them out. You come back to practice on Wednesday, and there's two or three of your teammates are cut, and there's two or three new guys in. Yeah, and so, and so Renee, when you, when you talk about that, you know, the National Football League is a different type of animal. Yep. You know, and so in, in terms of just an education on the HR side for some young people that might be listening that aren't familiar with that, is, is life any different from an HR executive than it is for somebody who works at, you know, uh, Blue Cross. You know what I mean? Is, is your role and responsibility and the obligation to your employee, is it any different? No, whether you work HR for the NFL or work HR for Blue Cross Blue Shield or for an executive, it should be the same. You're there for the employee's rights and then to protect the liability of the employer. So it's a fine balance that you walk, but if... and. An executive left a company, they would have gotten a golden parachute. If an NFL person leaves a company, they're like an executive. They should be getting a golden parachute when they leave. Well, Renee, let me say this to you. If you ask myself or if you were to ask uh, probably George or, you know, as far as we're concerned, HR 
Are you talking the general manager, or are you are you talking the director of player development? And that's I couldn't tell you in the National Football League if there's actually an office and an officer that is the manager of HR. I tell you what, I got I got to take a break. This is going to be our last break. We're going to do it real quick, and then we're going to come back. You listen to Ray Ellis on Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I got George Visker with me and Renee Shaw. And Renee, of course, is from Integrated Play. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Be sure to tune in. NFL Network tonight. Those of you on the East Coast, make it 9 o'clock. Those of you on the West Coast, make it 6 o'clock. Steve Sable, man, a football life. You've got to see that. The man who made all dreams come true, including mine and George. Like we said, when we were kids, without hesitation, that's what we wanted to do. And we were blessed to do that, but it was a very dangerous and a very violent sport. Hey, before I went to break, Renee was talking a little bit about HR. I want to move on, if we can, uh, from HR. And I, I don't want to talk about, you know, George, I'm just going to ask you, you know, Renee, you, you, you're doing such a great job. Uh, with, with players and helping them in the transition. Again, those that are interested, Renee, I'm sure there's a website they could go to to, to to learn a little bit more about integrated play. Am I correct? Can you give us that? LinkedIn and join a group called After the Draft, which uh, helps players with career transition as well. Okay, and, and George, I want to speak to you because, you know, I was born and raised in Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football Hall of Fame on my high school campus. This should actually be a part of my show that I tell everybody all the time because I feel that good about it. I'm that proud about it. The high school field that I play on, I played on every Hall of Fame game is played on that football field. But the, since my playing days and, and, and even now, you know, I feel like for me, it's just as important that I continue to advocate and, and work be on behalf of current and former players, uh, that's as much of a passion as it was for me to play the game. Because when I look at my contribution to the game, I'd like for my play to speak for itself. But but I'm one of those guys uh, that on the football field, like Ronnie Lott, I'm, 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 my name should not be in, in, in the same breath as Ronnie's. I give Ronnie that much credit. I, I, I love Ronnie that much, the way he plays the game. But, I, but, but I'm also... A little humble there too. I'd like to think that I wasn't too bad, but I know that Ronnie put out a lot of punishment. But I know that Ronnie was never trying to injure a person. Might want you to hurt, but not to injure you. Uh, when you look back upon the game, of course, I'm sure you didn't want to hurt anybody. You didn't want anybody to hurt you. But now we can help players. 
What are you doing now out there with the Visker group that you're doing that, that can help current players and players, former players? Why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of the things you're doing now as you continue to advocate on behalf and try to help players as well? Well, by, by the grace of God, I, I still do function despite everything I've been through. Um, and I, I went on and I finished a biology degree in 1990 at the age of 32. Uh, I, had, I owned an environmental consulting business for years as a wildlife biologist. In about in 2009, 2010, when a lot of the stuff I, I, I've I've fought this fight for years, and I always thought I was like the uh, lone voice in the wilderness. In 2010, I changed the whole focus of my consulting business, and we created the Visger Group, and we focused totally on traumatic brain injury uh, recovery, avoidance, and not just for football players. I work with everyone that's ever been impacted by a TBI, and their families. Because this thing, this injury, impacts everyone around you. Now, we have worked very, very closely because of our affiliation with the NFL and, and because it does open doors for us. That, um, so what I've done, I, I've spoken all over the country. Uh, I conduct um, traumatic brain injury recovery seminars, um, coaches concussion clinics. I've spoken back in Washington, D.C., and Colorado, um, all over California, uh, we just did a, we're working real closely now with the veterans, um, the California community colleges. Uh, I did a talk to their, at their board of directors meeting several months ago, and they want us to start um, putting together conferences at some of the, there's 118 community colleges in California, of which 57 have veteran resource centers on them. So we're trying to put together conferences. We can bring in a number of schools at, at in one venue, uh, all of them have these veteran resource centers and try to get these injured military veterans using some of the um, programs that are available to them. Um, hey. I'm working, again, like I said, I work closely with, I've helped push legislation for Pop Warner uh, back in Pennsylvania. Um, uh, I, I make myself available for anyone, or the visitor group, we make ourselves available to anyone that is working to avoid or recover from, from brain injuries, period. And, and, George, you mentioned something that's very important there. You, you said that recover because I, I'm going to assume that, you know, this is something that, that you're consistently going down the path of, of recovery. Are you ever completely recovered, or are you still in danger every day with your condition of, of the brain trauma that you've, uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, happened years ago? You know, I have fought and fought and fought and scratched to stay healthy enough to keep working. Um, I had, like I said, I had my own business uh, a few years ago. Really, when I shifted over into the head injury, it, w it was really out of necessity because everything else was imploding on me. I couldn't keep up with doing the biological work, writing the big reports, remembering to bill. Um, and I finally had to go out on disability. I went through Social Security about a year and a half ago, three-day evaluation there, and they had me rated. They had me rated as 100% disabled uh, due to cognitive impairment. I, I just can't keep track of things. Um, for instance, I already have a page and a half of notes that I've been writing as we're speaking, so I'll try to remember what we spoke about. Um, I'll get sidetracked, like I told you earlier on. If I get off track on your question, reel me in because I will forget what your question was. Well, I want to I want to compliment you, George, because honestly, you've done an outstanding job. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I thought going in, although I've seen you on television, you're, you're extremely sharp gentleman, you know, in terms of, you know, you, you still are, are pretty sharp. And, and God only knows, man, I, I'd probably be intimidated if, if you were 100 uh, percent able to function at your at your highest level. Uh, but but I want to say I want to compliment you on the fact that that you've stayed with the fight. You haven't given up on your life. And you're certainly not giving up on other players' lives. Now, some of these things that, that, that came uh, to a forefront and, and, and came to a conclusion in terms of, at least in part, the concussion settlement. Uh, and again, not asking you about money, but certainly I want to, well, let's not get out of the money because there was damage done to you. You should be compensated. I should be compensated. So I hope money does come your way. But I also want to know if, if in terms of services that are going to be uh, readily available for you now, 
do you think that they're going to let you in? Because I don't think you got your complete four years in. Do you anticipate that they'll allow you to participate in receiving some of these benefits? And if not, I'm going to be the first one to stand up to help fight for you. So could you answer that? You think they will or you think you're going to have to fight for it? I doubt it because, you know, when the NFL, a lot of the stuff they do is all is all smoke and mirrors and it looks like they're doing something great. This, they have, what was the one program that came out recently, the neurocognitive benefits or something? Yes. Okay, so I applied for that. Okay, you would think a guy that has survived nine NFL brain surgeries, and, and I had to prove in a court of law they were caused by my NFL career. You would think a guy like me would, would qualify. I've had 32 years of, of NFL-caused ground mal seizures. I don't qualify for that benefit. So because I'm not, I'm not vested, I only played two years, and what do you need, four years to be vested? Wow, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah, well, the new guy's three, but you're right, for our generation, four. Yeah, and of course, when we were playing, the average life expectancy then was 3.2 years. Right. So like 70, 69% of anyone who ever played back then never even lasted long enough to, to receive any benefit. Well, you know, George, I'm going to just say this because we're running out of time. What I'm going to say is I, I think that's one of those things in terms of the settlement that we should fight for yes. and say, hey, hold on now. You know, concussion doesn't take four years to get a concussion. It takes one hit. So the fact that somebody wasn't able to get four years in because they were concussed certainly should make them help. There should be exceptions to every rule and every law based upon you know, circumstances beyond the control of the individual. If you, regardless of your talent level, we don't know your talent level if it was good enough to continue to play four years because of your injuries. And normally, and Renee can speak to this, an HR issue where you were injured on the job, mm-hmm. they take care of you. Exactly. Any other business, we would have benefits. Yeah, I think, you know... Workers' comp would have stepped in, OSHA would have stepped in, all kinds of different laws would have been available. OSHA who? See, that's one of those things never come up when you talk about the NFL. OSHA who? (laughs) We got got to see, more of us need to come together. Whatever platforms we have, we need to use. And before we sign that on the dotted line, we need to make sure we fought. Like they always tell us, the game's not over until the skinny lady... Sings. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. George Visker from the Visker Group was my guest. Be sure to check George's website out and also Renee Shaw from Integrated Play. I got to go, so I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. We hope that you have enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit www.rayellissports.com. And be sure to join us next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network.